<laughs> AJ, we finally made this happen. <laughs> it's been a little while. It's like, do you remember remember that thing phone tag where you used to like call the landline and you'd miss someone and then it was like that phone tag. Yeah, but like when I would think of phone tag, it was more like you'd call your friend's house, but you could only call the landline and then you'd have to like talk to your friend's parents for how long being like, hey, yeah, like is Adam available to play street hockey? And like, oh yeah, how's it going? Like they start talking to you about like random stuff for forever and you're just having to entertain them. How are you, how are your school grades? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What time are you guys gonna be home at tonight? <laughs> are you out on your balcony right now? Yeah. It's actually, it's been so hot here, like 40 degrees during the day, but we had a storm today. And a so it just is a little bit cooler. And so anytime it's nice, it gotta be outside, but you probably can't see from this thing, but you oh. can see the cathedral back there. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> so for everyone else, where are you based? Uh, I'm in Girona, Spain. Yep. Why Girona? Why Girona? My, yeah, Girona, it's, I'm a social person and so I feel like there'd be other places maybe I would prefer to live for the riding or the culture but here um yeah it's for all the people there's all lots of riders come here I mean the riding is good there's a lot of different sorts of terrain and um, it's a pretty touristy town if you didn't want to learn the language you could get by speaking English but um yeah I think it's fun learning some Spanish Castiano, if you will. That's all right. Is this your first year in Girona? Um, I lived here last year. I rented a room from a couple of locals, which is really fun. They're 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 my people, my type of people. It's like in Canada, <laughs> my it's type of people daughter. in Canada. They're um, rock climbers, not cyclists. Um, so it was really fun, just like life balance to. Um, uh yeah hang out one with locals so they're not like in the cycling scene so your conversations are yeah just different they had yeah Catalan friends or local friends that would come over for a party and you would I would just like listen to the stories <laughs> or try to like pick out words I would go went to the rock climbing gym with them or would go outdoor rock climbing just like some stuff that's just yeah it's good life balance that's solid. So are you just living by yourself yeah. right now or you, do you have roommates or anything? Yeah, so I have a spare room that I just keep open to people who want to come do training camp in Toronto, which is quite often. So I have a girl here from Australia, which this is cool. This is random that she came and stayed with me for the whole summer, but she's from Wollongong. So where the world championships okay. yeah. will be this year. So now when I go over to world championships, then I just like have a place to stay to do a surf trip after worlds <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that, right? see look that's like great karma working out for you good see, like yep. when you do good things good things happen to you and then when you see like your friends that have like just the worst luck in bike racing but they seem to be like nice people those are the people you know they just like go around kicking puppies when no one's looking and that's why they're like, <laughs> <bad luck. laughs> that's how you know yeah, and I'm so stoked we're actually doing this podcast because you have no idea how many of my friends are like your biggest fan ever. Like when I introduce myself, it's getting to the point where I'm like, hey, I'm Jack. Yes, I'm from Canada. Yes, I know AJ. And I probably know Dave or Sarah or whoever else you're going to ask. You met in Canada when you were there at one point. 
<laughs> love it. I love it because um, at bike races now, um, I mean, I love interacting with fans, but then now I ask like, oh, like, are you a fan of my, of my bike racing or my dance moves? And <laughs> who knows what it'll be, but it's been pretty fun. What's the most, po- like, what's the most famous uh, TikTok video you've done so far? Which one's the best one? I'll tell you my favorite one. <laughs> okay the best one um <clears throat> well the one that has the most views uh, uh this year i did it at perry Bay, or and it has almost a million views not quite what? i was hoping they would get over the million views but yeah so which song <laughs> do i even remember now um I remember the dance. I don't remember what the song is. Okay. Yeah, you have to go look. It's on the team bus. <laughs> That's wicked. My favorite one is this is a while back. I think it's the song was like Usher and the song is Yeah. And but you did it to like the squeaking noise of the disc brakes. Do you remember this one? I yeah, love- dude. That was my that was like one of my very first ones when I was on Sunweb 2020 in the <laughs> lockdown, just like getting these like random creative ideas. Yeah, I love that one too. There's also one, one of my favorites, like from early, I did this one where it's like an illusion (laughs) where I'm like doing a karate kick and then it comes to like, but I put my hand in the sock. So it like changes. And then I put my hand in the sock and then I like pick up my, or I put drink mix in my water bottle and shake it up and then come back out. It just like, it's just like this funny illusion that kills me every time, (laughs) even when I'm watching. Oh boy. You went back for um, nationals, right? Yeah. How was that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're racing at home. You had, you finally got your home yeah. nationals. Yeah, it was so nice. I was so, and basically I was a poster child for this because I like told all my friends, all my family were like making a big deal about this, like coming back. And also it's like, you know, people will say, oh, like, I hope you do well in your hometown, but no pressure. Well, there's always going to be pressure, but I think a good athlete learns how to manage with that pressure and so basically I was just loading on the on the pressure but part of it is like um yeah a great athlete handles this sort of pressure well and it's just like a test for me at like a you know like local kind of fun whatever but like that's the kind of pressure that I want to put on myself at world championships at whatever big tours at the olympics so anyway (laughs) but then um I did this gravel ride the weekend before that and it was like rainy and cold up at big white and uh, I got so sick all the week before nationals. I couldn't breathe before. So on the time trial day, I couldn't breathe. So I didn't do the time trial, but I was like so determined just to do the road race, no matter what, because part of like, we have a lot of our own personal ambitions for our races and to do well at nationals or whatever, but also like sport is entertainment so then I was like well if anything I'm just gonna go in it and provide entertainment for especially all like my friends and family and my nephews that I've never seen or there were yeah I've never seen a bike race but we're so stoked to see me for real not just on tv so just get in there and put on a show and also it's like I might have been like climbed out of bed just like feeling terrible and like a zombie but as soon as I get in front of the crowds and the people it's like put on the performer else and uh, it wasn't so bad <laughs> oh, that's good. I, that sucks that you couldn't have been at your best for it but you i mean it sounds like at least you made the best of it and then you got to actually hang out a bit 
at home after the race. No, you stayed around for a bit. Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's so hanging out with family. Yeah. It's like right close. Did a couple of school visits at my hometown, which is just fun. Yeah. And you grew up in like a super small town, no? Yeah. 4,000 people. 4,000 <laughs> more. People. Yeah. More, more animals than people, like more farm animals than people. <laughs> oh, man. Huh. But wait, yeah. don't you spend, I'm trying to think. So before we were organizing this podcast, the, the last time we had spoken, we were both skiing this past winter. You were in Vancouver yeah. and I was in Whistler. And I was calling you to ask for advice on how to get visas. Like the, the yep. constant struggle for every North American. You're like calling around being like, which country did you get it from? Like, I, have you tried France? Oh, no, don't do France because the police actually check for that one. Have you tried Girona? Oh, no one knows how to do that. Dude, but do Belgium. Belgium would be good. <laughs> like, just getting advice for everybody. Yeah, and then you're like, but and how old are you? And how tall are you? Yeah. <laughs> how much do you weigh? Because that matters to these visas, all these things. <laughs> I am the master for getting it for Austria now because I finally have it and it's all legit in Austria and like the amount of paperwork nice. you do, but I, I, I'm the guy to ask now if you want it for Austria. <laughs> like, yeah, just the constant WhatsApp group between the North Americans to figure this out. Yeah, because, and that's the thing too, you, as a Canadian, you actually can only talk to Canadians about it because the rules are different. And then also, yeah, per country, also the rules are so different. It's a very hard thing to navigate. Yeah, and it's just like, just like the minutial details. Like, I think there was like, trying to think of the list of the things I needed it was like bank statements to prove you have enough money proof your contract where you're going to be living your own health insurance and then the thing that screwed me up is you needed um a police background check and I had that I got that from when I called the RCMP office in Squamish they're like oh are you Liam's brother like because my brother freaking knows everybody <laughs> and I'm just like yeah of course classic small town they give me the electronic copy I paid like 160 euros to take and organized all my like a cab ride from the airport to the the embassy there like when I got there organized yeah. all my flights and they denied me because the police background check was an electronic copy and they wanted a mm. paper copy and yep. so I asked them like you want me you want the paper copy so I called the Squamish people and they're like uh yeah why we this is like not 1950 like we, why do you need a paper <laughs> copy and they're like yeah it's like okay I need this all I explained to them, so you want me to get Squamish to mail this to you? And they're like, no, no, no. We want them to mail it to you and then you hand deliver it to us. <clears throat> and I'm yep. like, oh my God, come on. Like, just so not willing to help you at all. And it's, but yeah, enough of that nonsense. Where are you off to next? You have Common Games, Common Games next, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Birmingham. Um, yeah, I'll leave shortly, actually. Because um, I guess today was actually the opening ceremonies for the games. Um, and then, yeah, I'm excited. Have you done just to hang out with fellow Canadians and also do a multi-sport event? Um, what? Yeah, with like other multi-sport event. Like, <laughs> I'm only doing bike racing, but like, there's all sorts of other sports ah, um, okay. that compete at the golf games. <laughs> um, but actually, no. Um, this is my first opportunity to be able to go because in all the years past. Um, Canada usually just takes all the track athletes and have them do the road stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll choose a, like one road specialist. And that was something in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, us athletes on the road side, we're really pushing for that. Basically it's like at events like this, um, yeah, we got a, it's opportunity to 
race with Canada, um, create like a team atmosphere, team culture so that we do, we can perform better at Worlds and Olympic Games. And also that like, in order to qualify for road events, you should have to qualify via road events. Um, yeah, and then, and also to not just have one road athlete, because I think that really, that doesn't help develop our sport. It just creates like internal competition between us. Um, so yeah, we have three road athletes and then three track athletes that make up our team, but um, I'm pretty excited about that. So you do the road race and the time trial? Yeah, I'll do the time trial too, yeah. You stoked on that or not? <laughs> well, that's also not like my discipline, but I was, uh, yeah, time road and time trial national champion last year. That's what I'm so um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that's like a developing skill. Sometimes when you get older, just like the experience in your your power kind of tends uh, trends towards being a better time trial. So yeah, yeah we'll see. It's it's a really fun course. It's like super technical, up and down. So for a rider like me, that's a little punchier and not so just like steady engine. It's gonna be fun. Just a zippy person like you, eh? Yep. <laughs> That's up awesome. and down around the corners. <laughs> Jazzy. Okay. So I'm one thing I'm really curious about is like the pro is it fair to say like your breakout year, like your best season so far? Like the, the big pivotal one for you was was it 2021? Like where you like won everything? Like you had a really, really good year. It's 2020 or 2021. I can't keep these years straight. <clears throat> yeah, last year, 2021 was was uh, like I've had a pretty steady career path like I win a race one race every year that's nice but like it just on like on a bigger level bigger level um you know being in top 20s and then top 10s and then like closing on the podium um and then yeah last year well being yeah double national champion going to the olympics uh winning a world tour uh a stage at, at the, in the women's world tour and um yeah, oh yeah, having some really good results in the spring too. Um, and then six at Worlds was the, yeah, icing on the cake there in Belgium. That's got to be the best season, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And then, so, like, and can you tell the story, like how you got to the Olympics is pretty crazy that year. Like, <laughs> you were... yeah. Um, well, Canada, yeah. The, the year before or when we were, qualifying it was like half the time I was like I think I'm going and then oh, I was not going and then I think I'm going and I'm not going because Canada had was going to qualify three athletes and then one of those spots would have been my spot but then one of those spots got reallocated to another country because in the Olympics really they want all nations lots of na different nations to compete not just the best of the best so they take one of spot and give it to a South American country or something like that but then just because of all the delays and of COVID, then um, yeah, two weeks before the event, Canada got a spot back. And so then, yeah, I get this call from like a Japanese number that I think is just a telemarketer. <laughs> and then it's like, and then I, so whatever, I'm not- Cycling Canada? <laughs> well, no, they called Cycling Canada and Cycling Canada called me. But <laughs> yeah, I get, I get a call that's like from this Japanese number. Hi, this is Chris from Canada. <laughs> That's how it says. This is Chris from Canada. 
you know, call me back. And it's like, Chris from Canada. <laughs> Chris but, <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, they, uh, <laughs> that's the Chris Westwood, the, the high performance director. Oh, okay. So then finally, <laughs> he actually okay. does reach me or whatever and was just like, hey, like we got a spot. Like, do you want to, do you want to go to the Olympics? And he was like, that's I'll something you don't say no to. Yeah. <laughs> so then it's like, you have to do all this like COVID testing and whatever. And, and then it was like, I think that was a Tuesday. And then by Friday, um, yeah, I was on the plane to Tokyo. What was it like being at the Olympics with like COVID and everything like that? Did it like take away from it? Or was there <laughs> anything like, just like, what about the cardboard beds? I want to hear about this. This sounds so funny. <laughs> so here's the thing though. For us cyclists, because we were in a remote village, but basically we were just in a hotel with all other cyclists. So it honestly didn't feel any different than like a world championships because who are you sharing the hotel with? Well, basically everyone you know in the Peloton, the male and female athletes and then the staff members. And it was only us. We never saw any athletes from other sports. And we were also in like a really and then nice hotel. So we weren't at in the village. I actually never even got to go to the village. So I never there's a lot of like parts about that, that because of COVID, then yeah, we stayed in our own like isolated hotel. Also, we never got to like go into the villages or do anything local, um, just with all the protocols. So I think, um, yeah, it wasn't like a, a normal Olympic experience, but I think also for me getting called up so late, I just was so stoked to be there to be a participant it was all bonus it was bonus for me it was bonus for the other girls to have another teammate in the race it was a bonus for Canada just to have another athlete there so like the pressure was really low for me and and or any like expectations I might have had because I had none because I didn't think I was going um so I think when I went I just like totally like enjoyed the time and also could see how other athletes were managing this like pressure because also the Olympics were postponed a year. People are, when you use that one goal as your only motivation for two years and then, and then at the Olympics, everyone it's, it's, it's special, the Olympics and everyone believes they have a shot at winning, you know, and also the race showed that, that really like, yeah, really anyone can win um, <laughs> if it's, you know, like, if that's racing or that's like sport you know it's unpredictable but um yeah just watching how everyone with this pressure and there was way more broken hearts uh than there were um triumphs in that race like more people were sad and disappointed or um almost like yeah the grieving after maybe not winning or performing your best or what you wanted um yeah there's very few people that actually got what they wanted so anyway and then at the season after then it's really hard for people to kind of come back into the regular season um when if you've only had the olympics as your goal for two years and then now you're really at like a loss for what what you're working for what you're working towards so i think like going into the next olympic cycle that's just something that yeah I'll keep in mind that as much as you want to have that as a goal and it's going to be a serious goal and you're going to put all your eggs in that basket, you also need to have like this balanced perspective of life um, and other things going on.
so how do you, what do you do typically to like uh, like okay so <clears throat> i understand like having multiple goals as like balance but like what do you do normally to like have balance in your life and like is there anything else you do like okay other than the dance videos like this kind of stuff totally actually i think like <clears throat> i started in the sport later um i mean i turned pro at 25 but then before that i did like other sports and other things so i think also um and maybe it's also just like who i am yeah i do a lot of other stuff and for sure the tiktoks and all the dance things and the silly stuff is like a side that is so different from cycling that if cycling and things are not going well it does it has no effect on what the silly videos are um and I think like I get a lot of just joy from like the silly stuff. Uh, I also get all, like, I love the chaos of bike racing and the things, um, but it can get really taxing too, you know? So I think just having a balance of perspective like that, also having like community friends that are involved in the sport so they understand all the emotions and thoughts and the things and the lifestyle that you do, but also people that are totally outside the sport that know nothing and it's just like, fresh and different um and there's no hint of competition in those other relationships you know so I think yeah that there's a lot of different things about me um that create balance balance in my life and I have a lot of like other interests too besides um yeah even the like I was saying um doing some rock climbing with um other friends or yeah skiing you know just like a, some other things that are just um yeah different it's a it's a really good balance for life well yeah okay so you're being really modest with this but like as far as like different interests like side story here the first time we met I don't know if you remember this we were riding we were both at I'm pretty sure it was the Bergen World Championships in 2017 yep yeah. we're riding beside each other and <laughs> we start talking and like I think like I'm pretty into like the outdoors and like doing all the other mountain sports and stuff like that and you open the conversation by telling me you're you're currently living in a tent in a truck tent like <laughs> up in alaska or something like this like a tent you're you're living in a tent as a pro cyclist and i'm like, like what <laughs> like this is like swain 2.0 here <laughs> <You're> <laughs> right <laughs> that's insane and like yeah. what, you're telling me you had like a, a truck trailer before which was like like a bowler or something like this, like living yeah. a life of luxury, but it just wasn't portable enough. So we had to just go to the tent and throw away the luxuries of a hard shell. Well, the 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 bowler was, was super fun, right? Little small trailer. But the thing is we took it off road so too much that like the the bowler part, the fiberglass was all like uh, misaligning and sometimes the door would pop off. Or like the door would pop open and things would come out of the out of the door. So then um there goes the cross pot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, I loved in our bowler, we had this little chandelier. I made this little chandelier because totally it was like, this is so luxury. Cause before that, yeah, we had a rooftop tent on the truck, but it was like canvas. So like if it rained or whatever, it was just like terrible. Cause I mean, it gets wet and then you pack it down it just stays wet everything's wet um yeah so then we had the the bowler and it was like yeah so luxury but then from there yeah just like we couldn't get into the real backwoods places that we wanted so then we went 
So then we went, what came after that? Oh, maybe we had got the van or maybe we had a truck with like a clamshell rooftop tent. And then we had got a van, a little like Toyota highest. Um, yeah, right-hand drive van that was super cool. But then anytime you have like bikes on the back, like bike rack, um, and you know how it is like West coast, wet coast, we'd be driving like down from Canada through Washington, Oregon, and those bikes would just get pummeled with rain. And after a month, I would have to change like all cables, all everything on the bikes, just like replace it all just from the, yeah, the weather. So you've just been like camping for years, just full-time camping. <laughs> and like not full-time. in a camper van, like retired people, like roughing it, camping. <laughs> you know what I love? I love drinking my coffee outside in the morning. That's just the yeah, best. but when it's hailing <laughs> sideways, it's not so nice. And you're like, oh, guess I got the intervals on the go to game. Once I like dry out everything here, going to go get changed in my bed on my sleeping pad. <laughs> For real. But also we would, basically, because I always raced in Europe anyway, I think I probably lived maybe three months or four months, kind of like that. And then you always like go with the team and then you're, whatever in hotels and whatever so I guess it didn't really feel so much like a I mean actually for sure there are times I remember we were going down through Oregon and it was like El Nino like oh man buckets and buckets of rain and it totally was just like I you wear all my kit and then you know we go to the laundromat and it's just still like everything's just like wet and wet and we're like sleeping in the wet and it's oh man and um, then, yeah, we had to go stay. Fr- some friends rescued us because it was just like unreal how much it was raining um, all through, yeah, Portland and flooding and even the roads. Like, we're riding, I'm trying to, like, one of the cool things is like, I get to ride new roads every day, right? Like, point A to point B. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, my partner at the time, then, yeah, he would drive, I would just like ride from point a to point b so that's so cool except also the other thing is like i don't know the roads so then yeah you like get to a place where it's like flooded or um yeah adventures this is insane like why don't you advertise this part of your life where like everybody sees the dance videos that's great but like you could add a whole other dimension <laughs> to the fact that you just lived a complete wild person for how, how long did this go on for how many years in a tent yeah Four, five, four. Four five? years, four yeah. years in a tent. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was. I really feel like it was just like winter. <laughs> then what did we do in the summer? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, in winter in the tent. <laughs> well, winter, but like we would go down to California. It's it was an easy life living out of a tent in California. That's that's like that is so deluxe. cool. Like beach <laughs> life, literally. Yeah, totally. Amazing. <laughs> Man, like you just go to the, the races and the classics and everyone's just complaining about being in the shitty campanile hotel and like the overcooked pasta you're like well this is a whole lot better than the jet boil out in the freaking field <laughs> well sometimes sometimes that hotel pasta is not better than no. the jet boil pasta that I the ramen with. <laughs> the, <mac> <laughs> <yeah>. the dehydrated <laughs> mashed potatoes it's good yeah, that's it's good tough yeah but i'm just thinking like how many times like i'd be riding up in like the wet coast in the middle of winter and you're just freezing Mm -hmm. the whole time and all i'm thinking about is like a hot shower when i get home 
And like the greatest thing you could buy yeah. from Amazon is a, or Costco is a boot dryer. So you have dry mm -hmm. and yeah. you're in a tent. You're like, oh, I'm going to cuddle up in the sleeping bag. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's amazing. You know That's what? So cool. In 2020, though, um, we couldn't go, we couldn't travel down into the, the States for the winter. So then we were in, um, yeah, BC. And then what we had that year was, uh, well, this like huge army truck uh, that, yeah, we built this like home on the back, but then the only way to heat it was this wood stove that was <laughs> also so smoky. And uh, so if you wanted to heat, but there would also probably be smoke inside. And then I was like, I don't think this is good for me <laughs> to like heat it that way. But then also I would like go ride, wake up and it'd be cold. And then you'd like build a fire and then you, whatever, get ready. I go ride. I ride four or five hours just in the rain. So cold. You know how it is. And then you get back and then you want this hot shower. But first I have to build a fire. <laughs> I have to build <laughs> a fire, build in, fire in your army truck. <laughs> seriously build this fire and then and then uh like we had a hot water thing so like while i'm building the fire then the hot water or on demand hot water is heating up so I'm, i know it's gonna be hot but like the air is so cold then you like strip off all the like wet clothes then have a hot but it's like a hot like you know hose shower like uh is this inside uh, it's or outside? Just, like it's inside still it's okay. inside the this the truck the truck you don't understand like, when you say army truck this is like World War II, like the giant yep. transport truck, army truck. Yes. Like, not like a Humvee or something like this. No. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Like a DAF. It's a DAF. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and then, but then for a while there, I was like, I feared that I was going to only be cold all the time. And that this is when you have to use, like, so much of your mental energy to just, like, pump you up or, like, like mental toughness but then after there was a real bad week of just where I was like I'm never going to be warm ever again um and then I had to go stay with some friends for a little bit to have a normal life <laughs> that is insane that is but anyway insane. now I live in Girona where it's warm all the time and I've got I've got um yeah a regular shower I've got a real stove <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> Where the things you, we do to make it. Yeah, but like, okay, well, like, I, I can only imagine how stoked you must be because I remember, like, when I first went to Europe my first year, like, I got there and we went straight to training camp in Mallorca. And I was, mm. I was flying on the bike because I just came from being in wet BC where I'm just freezing cold, riding up and down the Sea to Sky Highway all winter. And now it's like beautiful weather, gorgeous roads. I've never seen this before. And mm. just, just the stoke level was so high that I was flying. I can't imagine what it's like for you. You've been camping and you actually get a, a brick shelter. <laughs> <laughs> for real. Actually, no, it's interesting. Like all those things really make a difference, you know? Um, the space that you're in, if it makes you happy um, or is like comfortable and it gives you like good feeling, that does a lot for you um, in your training and in, yeah, trying to push for a dream that's really hard um yeah so as long as you love it <laughs> maybe i'm getting old now no. now i need to i need to have a real house <laughs> no i i completely agree with that like the the one training camp like we were talking about before in kutai 
Like I convinced my friends to just throw, mm. that's, that was one of the nights we were supposed to record a podcast. And yeah. I was like, oh, sorry, I'm throwing a party tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you had yeah, a party. You didn't give me. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. A patio party. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, for me, that was like the best mental break ever. And it was like four days after I broke my pelvis. And so I was like, okay, I really need this party now. Like just all my friends need to come up to me right now. Oh. Do you, you have had a rough go? Ah, it's been interesting. It's been fun. I keep watching your, yeah, your journey and just like, man, there's so much like dedication and this like routine that you do that is just far out it's also like so different for me I'm such a like a follow your heart <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah so I just like see this life that you're living and also like so committed to the goal um and then yeah man the thing life just hits you sometimes oh but I have so much fun doing it like really and like it hey everything happens for a reason everything pays off and my life's a party. Like if, if I have sucked life dry, like if this ended tomorrow, I, I feel like what's his name? Hunter S Thompson, like his quote, like you should just arrive at the a grave with a completely spent out body, just being like, Whoa, what a ride. So I don't know. I've had fun with it, but what are we going to do a training camp together? We were talking about, yes. <laughs> but you said you've never done one before, but I, didn't you go to Kutai with your team? Yeah. Um, that's right. We did. Yeah, I haven't really done like altitude training camp. Uh, we used to do like when back in uh, North America, then before Gila, because Gila was an altitude race. And then we would have Tour of California, which basically for the women was um, a different routes around Lake Tahoe. So also at altitude. So then, yeah, probably we are in between that time. We would do like two weeks or something up there at, at Lake Tahoe and then kind of race these races. But yeah, and then with um, Sunweb, yeah, we were up at Kutai for how long was it? Not quite two weeks. Um, yeah, you have to go up there at least like once in your life to hit that speed trap. Yeah, get yeah. max speed. <laughs> yeah, the the one that's that's where I have my uh, speed record. The going down <laughs> the side down to Innsbruck, it's like just the straight yep. shot. It's like you do, yep. you do it once and then never again. Get it on the like, training peaks, like 120 yeah. or whatever you hit, and be like, okay, yep. I'm good. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So is the biggest goal this year the Olymp or the world championships for you? Well, actually, usually the spring is like my big goals, but yeah, I had some injury and sickness over the, the winter. Actually, I tore my ACL and then uh, which has been fine now, but it just, yeah, obviously sets you back. And then, yeah, having COVID and then get well, we're going to crash, had a concussion, was out for a little bit. So, yeah, I really kind of derailed what my what my plans were. Um, yeah, and then now um, <clears throat> I think Canada is a really good team for Commonwealth Games. I'd really like us to uh, win there um, for sure, a medal. And then, uh, yeah, uh, tour of Scandinavia is a longer tour this year, but that terrain really suits me. It's um, bumpy, um, usually like small group sprint, technical kind of final. Um, so yeah, that, and then like a um, stage race in the Netherlands, um, yeah, are all good kind of, kind of races. So basically I just like, 
I love racing. I want to get a win. I really want my team to get a win. Um, so yeah, we still got a few options in these kind of like stage races at the end of the year. And then, yeah, Worlds is a is a tough course. Um, I think um, the Worlds course last year in Belgium really suits me, like a classic sort of race course. This course has like a 1K climb that's pretty steep and then kind of technical circuits, which are good for me, but the climb, we'll just see how it's, how it's raced really. Um, if, uh, yeah, not sure yet about that one. Okay. So going back to like, uh, last year, amazing year, but like, I don't under, what is, how long had you been racing in Europe before that year? Like you did the trip, typical rate, work your way up through North America and go to Europe, right? Well, sort mm -hmm. of. I um, <laughs> I had a pretty quick uh, jump into it. Um, basically, I had ridden that BC Super Week, just guest riding, first kind of races, um, and Glotman Simpson. And then I remember they told me like, these are pretty hard. Like if you make it halfway, that's that's pretty good. And I was like, halfway. And then I was the first one, I was second, and then I won yeah, basically all of White Rock and the overall of White Rock. And then and then basically and someone was like, Oh, well, teams are gonna be calling you. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so I just I just waited. Just waiting for them to call. I just waited for the call. <laughs> but, How are they um, going to get my number? They look in the phone yeah. book. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then I think I remember talking to someone else and just being like, oh, what are you doing next year? And they're like, oh, well, I sent my resume out. And I was like, you send a resume? But luckily for me, actually, a team did call me. <laughs> um, Wait, what year is this? And, what year is this? Uh, 2014. Okay. So in 2015, I signed a $0 contract with um, 2016, the name of the team at the time. They've had a bunch of different names, but a North American team. So I go there, and basically they're just like, hey, you have – because when I had an interview with them or they called me, then we mostly talked about, like, my running results because I had no cycling results. Um, and they <laughs> – yeah, exactly. results. Yeah, my my distance running results because basically they're just looking for like talent acquisition. So they're like, okay, this girl, she's won some of these kind of like career races. So there's potential, like she at least knows how to bike race or Looks way you know, better and than then kayaker we were looking at before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> um, and then also like, oh, she's got like like yeah, endurance fitness. So okay. Um, I mean, if you're a talented athlete, you're gonna be a talented or you're gonna be pretty good at a lot of things so anyway just got a walk-on spot they gave me a chance and then uh they had a bunch of like real hot girls at the time um on the like american side talented athletes <laughs> real good athletes real good well i mean i didn't know if this is part of the resume <laughs> <laughs> please send a photo <laughs> yeah this is this is all part of the resume oh man um, and then, but they were all on the U.S. national team also. So they had went to Europe for a bunch of projects and then it left kind of like the rest of us around. And um, yeah, then, then we did 
like Chico, small American race, but we had no leader. So it was like open, like, well, anyone can try to win the first day. So then, okay. So then I won, I won the first day. And then, uh, so then they were like, okay, we'll actually ride for you for the crit. And I won. And then basically, yeah. Then it gave me more opportunities where like, okay, we're coming into Redlands. Like, yeah. Um, the director, Mary Holden, just like really believed in me. If people believe in me, I can pull things out of nowhere. Um, like to race for someone or just like have, yeah, the coach believe in you so much. So anyway, and then I won first day of Redlands, got to wear a yellow jersey for the first time. Then this is funny too. I'm such a newbie. We go to the next day of the time trial. So I'm the last person to start. And I'm like, I'm not like time, like, um, you know, on time or whatever. I just like go with the flow. But now I'm the last person to go, but everyone else has left like the team bus okay the you know where you're like doing your warm-up I'm the only one there I'm just like kind of spinning on the, on the trainer and then just like oh like put my helmet on all of a sudden the mechanic is like running out and it's just like <laughs> like you start in three minutes or you start in two minutes or something like this and I was like oh so I like ride my bike over they just like zoom it through the bike check you know roll it up to the ramp I get on and it's like before I'm clipping in, it's like three, two, one, and then I roll off. Anyway, <clears throat> I've gotten much perfectly. more professional. Yeah, right. The warm up straight like there's I didn't even cool, have a chance to cool down after the, the warm up, just like straight into it. But anyway, and then um yeah, then after that that year, Canada took a couple of girls to do like some Kermesh crit racing over in Europe. So I did two weeks there, and then I did this Wait, tour so that's- tour of our. Did you go? I, I don't. I didn't understand that. Did you go over in Europe that first year? Yeah, just just for um some crits and kermesses. Yeah, Belgium. Yeah, and won some. Won my first real big check, which was cool. Really? <laughs> so these, yeah. So um yeah, I won a couple of races. We had this one that was cool. Um, so on the same day, so you did this race, and then the top twenty did a second race after that race, but it was like a hot dog lap. So I think it was like 500 meters from one or less than that, maybe 300 meters. Um, this line on this street <laughs> with two cones. And basically it was raced like a elimination race with the 20, the 20 oh. top riders of the first. So then basically it was just like crazy and chaos because it's like these tight turns around this like cone. So I just like after one of the, the, sprints I just attack and I'm riding solo and then basically everyone is like getting eliminated behind and I just like keep staying in front and then I won and then yeah I won this big check it was very cool (laughs) okay just straight to Europe that's amazing yeah so that's year one okay so continue on and then Canada takes girls to Europe the second year yeah so then the second year is uh 2016 the Olympic year and I figure that I should try to qualify for the Olympics <laughs> in my second year. So then the team though was like, yeah, we're into it. We'll take you to like a few of the spring classics that were kind of the races that Canada would look at for selection races. And um, yeah, I remember I just like rode with so much confidence. I basically wrote Lizzie, Lizzie Dynan was a world champion at the time. And basically I did everything that she did. I was riding beside I was riding the front like her I was riding everything but then I am not the world champion so probably like after like 
three quarters of the race, I had nothing left because I, I really like rode myself like to, to, for every thread that I had. Um, but yeah, still then just like ending, yeah, top 30s. Um, and then, yeah, I was the lucky alternate for the Olympic team, but um, yeah, not on the team for for uh, 2016 Olympics. But then, yeah, I did a spring in Europe. And then also, uh, then that summer, I actually guest rode for an Italian team, Be Pink, okay. um, in, a, in a small tour, won a stage, and then they hired me for the next year. And then, yeah, the next year, 2017, was full-time in Europe. And then what was that like, being on an Italian team? There's got to be some wild stories from that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> I want to do this. Like, let's we, the we could... We could fill a whole podcast with just these. Let's hear it. Go. These are the good stories. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, this team was run totally old school. So, like, I mean, we drove to every race. So, like, get well with them. One of the biggest races. And we drive 14 hours the day before the race. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, we're in the car, driving 14 hours. We go stay at whatever shit hotel wake up do one of the biggest races and um and like we're expected to perform you know <laughs> and then uh oh, also the team was um half italian half russian so that also adds a whole just like the canadian totally similar old culture i'm sure you fit right in <laughs> oh my gosh but there was one some of the russian girls didn't speak any english didn't speak any italian yeah, but i russian just like, like english like pretty there's a lot of the same words <laughs> they sound the same yeah like german yeah can, I'm, I'm learning you, could, you, know. you can also that's... really like understand get a lot from their facial expressions <laughs> that's Very what i get by on <laughs> when i know if someone's yelling at me or not <laughs> actually that was something with the italians because they're very loud and very emphatic and like sometimes i would just be like sitting in the back like on edge thinking that like something was happening something was going down like people were getting yelled at but then actually i was just like actually i think they're just that's how they're talking it's not like angry but like for a canadian it just seemed really like intense Scary. yeah yeah <laughs> me. But, you notice this but the one thing with like all my german friends is they they speak perfect english like really really good but the one thing they haven't learned is how to use exclamation marks so like the way they use it, it sounds so aggressive when I get these text messages and it's like, how was your day? And like, and like mine was great. Like you're just getting these messages and like my interview, like whatever it is, I'm just like, guys, you need to like, your English is amazing. Like I know I'm the moron that only speaks one language, but please stop yeah. using exclamation marks. Everybody's going to think you're, you're angry at them. Stop with this. What I love about like, um, yeah, German and the Dutch is like, because I'm, I'm a silly person. So I'm like teasing people or using like puns or jokes or whatever, but they're so take everything so serious or so, um, yeah, straightforward or <laughs> literal. <laughs> and sometimes that alone is like the funniest thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, or the other thing, like going back to like what you're talking about with the Italians, I don't know if you noticed this, but like in a Peloton, it's like, it's quite interesting when you have all these different nationalities together. 
And you basically learn how to say fuck off in any language because that's pretty much what just gets said. Because like bike racing, there's not really that much great trash talking going on because everyone's just out of breath, except the Italians. If they want to scream at you, it's ba 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 a lot of hand waving and all this stuff. And then like after like 30 seconds of this, you just look at it and like, dude, like you got if you're gonna yell at me, do it in English. Like I have no idea what you just said to me. Not a clue. Like, do I look like I speak Italian? I have no clue what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think that, like, has saved me sometimes because, like, I remember on the Italian team, oh, man, we were getting a lecture on something. And, like, by this time, I, like, knew a little bit of Italian. So, okay, I get, like, mangiare and whatever. So, basically, he's, like, yelling at them that everyone's, like, eating too much. Um, But then I, like, and it goes on. It's, like, this long lecture. But, like, I can just, like, tune out really easy because I don't really know what they're talking about. So, I just, like, by my soul is saved like my all my good feelings i still get to keep <laughs> so sometimes it's good i feel like that that's the most common story you hear when people are on italian teams it's like mm. you eat too much everyone eats too much yep. everybody's too fat this yep. is your take yeah yeah so and also like if we if the team did poorly um yeah either or drank too we much. wouldn't get we wouldn't get lunch the next day or you'd have to like ride home after a race but because okay also life is so much easier when you're a winner so a lot of these things like i i watched happen to my teammates but i didn't have to experience but like okay get this because you were in norway sucks to suck (laughs) (laughs) so tour in norway we uh so it's a four-day stage race day one um we actually had a good day like the girl one of my teammates was in the break i think she won like most aggressive most aggressive rider or something like that but when it came into the final it was like these short circuits i made it into the final but the other girls got stopped um they still got to continue the race but um yeah they were too far behind oh they got pulled um well, well but they they still were allowed to start the next day, but they, um, yeah, weren't allowed on the shorter circuit. So they just got like a time penalty or whatever. Um, yeah. And then I think like I ended top 20, so it's okay. It's and actually for this team, that's pretty good. Um, but then anyway, then I get back to, to the camper or whatever. And I like start changing my clothes or whatever, but I noticed like all my teammates are like still on the bike. And also on this day, it was like, Oh, is it going to rain? Is it not going to rain? Is it going to rain? But we finished the race. It just started sprinkling, but it's not raining. So, like, we ended at a perfect time. And also, you look, <laughs> like, into the distance, and it's like, that's the rain is coming. Like, you know when you look into the distance, and then it, you see, like, that wall of rain. Okay, so it's coming, but we finished just in time. But then, like, I'm looking at my teammates. I'm I'm getting dressed, and they're still, like, on the bike. And then I'm, like, trying to ask, like, this one year or whatever, like, going on like where are they getting in the van and then she's like oh no they they have to ride back to the hotel because because they missed that cut (laughs) but you know really hammer up and they'll be better tomorrow get the training in time to get in shape day one of a four-day stage race so then you see these girls who are totally dry head straight into the wall of rain (laughs) so um but and it was raining so heavy that it's like you can't even do your windshield wipers fast enough well a police car had seen what was going on or like passed them or whatever 
drove like pulled the team over and went like the team car that was following the girls and was just like are these your your riders like this is too dangerous you have to get them off the road so now all the girls are like halfway halfway home fully soaked and just now sitting in the car just like fully drenched soaked cold no food yet driving the rest like the last 30 minutes back to the hotel glad stage one of this four-day race was so hard (laughs) (laughs) not not get home recover reset for the next day let's get a positive atmosphere motivate the team let's go nope you guys aren't in shape time to get you in shape we got to do some extra training today you got eight hours to recover tonight (laughs) that's incredible (laughs) oh man yeah seriously i got stories from this team it's it's so good i remember going through it also and I had one uh, I had a friend who um, former teammate of mine American girl and she was on um, Big Low which was like one of the top like five like fifth ranked team maybe or something but they had like good hotels good food whatever and she would like at team presentation sometimes we do a team presentation the day before a race <clears throat> like flesh alone and she would come and bring me like a a grocery bag of food that I could keep in my suitcase or whatever because we just like I never knew when I would get my next meal or whatever so I just had like other another team was bringing you food at the race yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she saved my life so many times <laughs> awesome oh yeah but like it's just the worst feeling like you just feel like you're being judged at the dinner table like how much food you're eating like I've actually taken it as a point of pride being like, I eat twice as much as any of my teammates. And it's a point of pride for that. Yeah, you have to. I mean, in that year before I went there, because I knew, I knew what an Italian team was going to be like. So I made sure I actually had my own nutritionist because even though, you know, like, you know, food gives you energy, you know, you have to eat whatever, 80, 90 grams of carbs in a bike race per hour. But even though, you know, that like, when you're around and when you're in the atmosphere that um yeah punishes kind that. of this like poisonous talk it's it's hard to like keep your clarity and be confident in that so then I made sure I put people in my corner that just were like this is the science and this is the person I would trust so I would just do what they what they have to do like I remember also on this team you couldn't go get your own food like for your for training or for a race Right, they had gels and bars, but you couldn't go like pick your own. This one, you had to give it to you. <laughs> so. I had this on one of my teams. It's the stupidest thing ever. I got in trouble so for, would... for grabbing my own gels. <laughs> like... Exactly. So then I would be like, um, "Yeah, I'm gonna need six gels and two bars or whatever." And she would be like, "They would give it to me, but I'd get the stink eye." But I remember one time I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna need a bar or like." Uh, another one and she was like yeah like looks at me and was like this bar is good for three hours (laughs) no it is not (laughs) i'm so glad you had this exact same experience because this was my experience my first year and i'm looking at this one you're like can you just work in food man like why why is this I have to go push the bike and you're getting the, like the nutrition advice from like the team staff member where like breakfast was six Red Bulls and a pack of cigarettes. And you're just like <laughs> the, the diet information from this dude. And I'm like, Hey, like, I don't care what you did back in your day. Give me the food. Seriously. 
but I think that's also hard like when you're a young person that goes over or like when I say that like life was easier because I was a winner honestly um it was easier because even some of this like food talk like I was not the skinniest person on the team but I always had the best the better results so then they would just be like oh it doesn't it doesn't count for you or whatever um but I think like yeah if you're if you're not getting good results then yeah all this stuff just like is so negative or like young kids if they're going over to like learn how to be a bike racer and this is the atmosphere that they're in like you're so much more impressionable like oh is this just how things are done um so yeah it's a, a hard way to start i think jesus well like going back to like what you're talking about like with your team and stuff like that like put it like your support network like everybody builds their own little team like for me it was like probably like four just really good mentors that i could talk mm -hmm. to about anything like guys that actually knew what they were talking about what was it for you yeah so i mean you're familiar with in canada we have the bridge the gap program so you can get like it's like yeah pros who have been in the sport then can you know connect with a younger athlete or an up-and-coming athlete and mentor them a little bit so um yeah i had a good mentor um that year i also like um had some conversations with Swain Tuft who's like got like he's tried all sorts of weird whatever things he's seen a lot of stuff but he's also just like sure of himself um you know sees the long-term plan or whatever so but then and then yeah for me uh my coach yeah super uh yeah did a lot of trust coach? in my my coach like did you have your I, own coach this whole time yeah I was yeah had my own coach from America yeah for the I think first four or five years four years of my career okay um and then yeah this year just for that one year on the Italian team I knew I would need like a proper um nutritionist coach yeah. just to like keep that check and balance and then and then basically I had to manage um the rest of it was just like the attitude that I'm story collecting because you were going to get in all sorts of like chaotic situations and things that like what can you do you either can like get stressed about it or you just like for me I just like story collecting yeah. um which now like after like I see it still such a positive year um it didn't burn me out entirely it was actually like yeah really hard emotionally after just like having to be so resilient um but I still think it was like a positive experience but I know actually a lot of girls on that team like yeah couldn't even last a year or if they did last year they did not continue bike racing there was a lot of like yeah psychological damage from being around like in a poisonous environment you know so um yeah and I, I think you just gotta have yeah good friends people that are just outside the sport too because like <laughs> but that's hard um, when you're over in europe like when you go did was there anyone else from north america or like an english speaker on your team the first year there no so how did you make any friends there okay so you don't have any assigned to you as like other teammates so did you have any other friends that first year were you there just by um, yeah so i was by myself also in like the team house because i had a lot of I had the russian roommates for a while but then they were kind of like b team and i was eight team so 
uh, I would come back home and then they would be at a race. They would come back home and I would be at a race. Or then also when they were there, <laughs> we couldn't really speak to each other. But then um, I just remember, like, because I'm such a social person, but like probably, I mean, I read so many books that year. <laughs> um, but also then whenever we, we would go to a bike race, I would just like, like feed off of other people and just like all of a sudden become this super extroverted, like, chatting with everyone was my best friend um kind of thing so uh and then also when I was at the team house then um I had three places where I would go for a conversation and I would try to make sure I would speak to someone every day one was the gelato girl okay (laughs) so she and I like learned Italian that at least like I could speak to her a little bit we could talk about like small talk sort of stuff the other was this guy at the pizza kebab place but he's Arabic but he spoke really good English (laughs) his name was Dan and I remember every time I would go there he would ask me like how how am I doing how is my husband how are my children (laughs) no children or whatever but I would just be saying (laughs) every time I think the first time I said like I no like I don't have any of that um but he would always ask so I just okay and then um I would also go to the river where there's always like the old round Italians having the best picnics and honestly I say like old and round because I think they just would have like pasta (laughs) pasta and wine and just makes you like round and hard (laughs) they were I always try to just like befriend these these old people at the at the river, like making eyes with them, because I was by far the youngest person at the river, just like hoping that they would invite me over to their picnic. Like, <laughs> hey, you're gonna finish that ravioli? Could I have that? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> okay, I love this story right there because, like, just to show you like how much overlap there is between what you did and I did. My first year, team house, I had two Polish teammates, and they spoke English, and they were really good guys. But there's just like the culture gap right there. That's the first thing. And like the second year there, when I was trying to make friends, but my people to go to was one of the guy at the kebab shop and that the <laughs> Turkish guy at the kebab shop, he was great. I'd ride up to his place all the time. And the second one was my buddy who was still like my first friend in Europe who worked at the ski, the ski shop. Cause I was like, I would just go look at maps with him. I just drink coffee and we just look at maps and just be planning routes on that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh man. That's so cool. So like, and when was that? That was 2017. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, has do you have like a lot of friends in Europe now that are like your European friends? Yeah. So I guess that's like in the bike racing because, um, yeah, like I, I made some, because um, after that year I was on TIBCO, Silicon Valley Bank. So an American team, but I only did European racing. And there was a lot of girls on that program, like a couple Europeans, um, Australians. They just like have become friends for life. Um, and then also, yeah, cause like, I really do love my teammates. Um, so yeah, I think through that, <clears throat> cause now I've been living in Girona, I have a ton of former teammates that are friends, um, but also local friends here now. And I think that's just cause like, I tried to expand to go do some like local events. Um, I've become a real big fan of football, like 
soccer yeah um because i wanted to do a local thing and the spanish people love their local football club so i'm a big fan now of the girona fc and i go all the time and i just like copy what everyone else is doing so when they're like yelling and getting so animated and like swearing at the people i'm just like standing getting animated doing all the things <laughs> uh yeah and then i think also like um yeah now because i lived for a while in the netherlands and the netherlands is like um really easy it, it's closer i feel like to canadian culture and then also everyone speaks such good english so it was really easy to make friends and stuff there but also i took a couple of dance classes when i was there so then you like really? meet other people yeah why not? what kind of dance classes what kind of dancing um i took like an afro class so that's like afro hip-hop um and then yeah another like hey, house, so house cool. hip-hop this is amazing <laughs> <laughs> this is the toolkit to go to europe like what you've <laughs> you know it was really funny like i went to one of these dance classes and I, I don't speak Dutch <laughs> and I never bothered to learn to speak Dutch, but the oh. instructor comes over and knows like I'm new comes and goes to like introduce herself. But then she, I think she makes some joke and then doesn't like shake my hand. She just kind of keeps talking. <laughs> and I never get to say like, I'm Allison. I don't speak Dutch, but like, it's okay. So that so then, okay. We just start doing this class. <laughs> and I, I at least like, I can when when I see someone do something, I can just do it. So then I can like pick up on the class like pretty quick. So they probably just think I speak Dutch. And then, <laughs> then all of a sudden, at one point in the class, it's like so quiet, and they look around and everyone's looking at me because <laughs> like someone had asked me a direct question or said something to me, but like I wasn't paying attention because I you don't speak don't Dutch. Understand. And then I was just like, oh, I don't speak Dutch, and this was like You're almost five minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> what was the question? Uh, I still have no idea. Oh no, I think they were telling me that like they were gonna practice a dance that they've already learned, and so that I wouldn't know it. I should just watch. But I was just. <laughs> yep, just gonna keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. AJ, this has been so much fun, but I'll let you go. I don't want to over overdo my time here you've already given me so much of this but we should plan a training camp we should actually make this training camp happen together okay i'm keen and then we'll do uh part two okay part. i've got i've got so many stories oh i'm stoked i'm sure you do i want to hear them okay we'll stop the recording now <laughs>